But if you've been with us so far in our journey through uh, the Gospel of Luke, you know that we're almost to the end of what is called the Sermon on the Plain. It's Luke chapter 6. I'm going to post this in the podcast, the Sermon Audio podcast, because that's where um, the other... Uh, sections, previous sections of Luke are posted, but uh, all the subsequent sections, everything that comes after this in the Gospel of Luke is going to be posted in the Luke podcast. So if you're not subscribed to that, if you're just subscribed to the Sermon Audio podcast and you want to hear the rest of Luke, you'll have to go to go to iTunes and just search for Jason Vallada and there'll be uh, several books of the Bible um, there that are, uh, you know, the podcasts and you just find the one that says Luke, the Gospel of Luke and subscribe to that one and you will get the rest of these as they are as they are made available. Uh, the Sermon on the Plain here, we've seen this before, is it's comparable to what Jesus says in Matthew on the Sermon on the Mount in some ways. Uh, and just to catch you up to speed, we've been looking at some some pretty hard sayings of Jesus up to this point. Um, first, he's, he's, uh, he, he's given us the Beatitudes, of course, which show us the character uh, of those who've been born again. Uh, they're not perfect. The born-again believer is not perfect uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, their lives show a hunger and a thirst for, for righteousness. They mourn and they weep over their sin. Uh, they know that they're spiritually uh, poor, spiritually bankrupt, have nothing to offer God uh, for their salvation. And then after that, Jesus moved to show us that if we are to be like the God that we serve, uh, we must we must love our enemies and pray for those who abuse us. And part of this loving those who hate us is is to be merciful and and not hypocritically judgmental of them. We saw that last time. Um, so we don't have the right to be judgmental of those who hate us because it's only by the grace of God and the mercy of God that we that we're not in the same boat that they are. Um, God loves those who hate him uh, he loved us when we were yet sinners and you know bible says it rains on the just and the unjust alike so we are to be like the master that we say that we serve uh, and we must be that way because jesus said a servant's not above his master but when he is fully trained he will be like his master all that's in luke chapter 6 in previous sections that we looked at uh we're called to be like jesus who who showed a love in giving himself uh for us, a love that we can't even imagine. So the last thing that we looked at in last week was Jesus' instructions about removing the log in our eye so we can see clearly to remove the speck that's in our brother's eye. And I'm sure you already know that passage, even if you haven't uh, heard the previous uh, previous sermon, the previous podcast. Uh, so we're going to continue on in this sermon in Luke chapter 6, and Jesus is going to answer the question for us, how? How do I remove the log out of my own eye? How do I do it? Uh, For that, we're going to look at a biblical practice that has pretty much fallen out of favor in many places today. It's the practice of examining yourself. In Corinthians, Paul tells us to, he tells us to examine ourselves, whether we be of the faith or not. Uh, What we're going to see here is two important principles. Uh, The first is what I call examining the fruit And the second is what I call addressing the root. Now, don't get worried. I I usually don't have points that sound like they came out of a Dr. Seuss book, but it just happened to come together like that. So let's read verses uh, 44 through 45 first. It says, For no good tree, he just told us to get the log out of our own eye before we can see clearly to get the speck out of our brother's eye. And then he says, For no good tree... 
bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Jesus says here that Every tree is known by its own fruit. The fruit gives evidence of the tree. It, I mean, it's just common sense to us. If you've got a garden or if you have trees that produce fruit on your property, uh, <clears throat> you know that you you can't go up to a tomato plant and earnestly expect the plant to produce, I don't know, sunflowers. Uh, you're never going to get figs from thorn bushes. Uh, thorn bushes produce thorns. They don't produce figs. And you can't get grapes from a bramble bush. Uh, when we're talking about trees and plants, I mean... That's pretty much a given. And I'm sure there isn't anyone who's really going to disagree with that. I mean, you just walk out into your yard and the evidence is right there. But what we need to see here, of course, is that Jesus is comparing the good and bad trees to our lives. And the evidence that a person is good or bad in this sense is the kind of fruit that they produce. And and this is not separate from the context that came before. He's showing us how we are to examine ourselves to remove the log that is in our eye. Now, in this sermon, Jesus has already shown us that we are called to be merciful to our enemies. We're called to love our enemies just as God is merciful and loves his enemies. Uh, it's, it's hard to be merciful and loving to our enemies. Uh, of course it is, but, but most of us don't have a problem being merciful to ourselves. Uh, we tend to demand justice for other people when they sin against us, but... But we seek mercy for ourselves when we do wrong. Uh, and you know I'm telling the truth. When, when you look at the fruit of your life, uh, when you get ready to engage in this practice of examining yourself, uh, our first tendency is to say things like, well, God knows my heart. Uh, or you say, you know, uh, it's just I'm, I'm not a bad person. I'm just having a bad day. I'm, I'm having a stressful day. And that's why I said the things that I said to you. Uh, if you're like me, uh, when you're when you're alerted to the fact that you're you're producing fruit that is not godly or or good, uh, our knee jerk reaction is just to say that's not who I am. It's not my fault. I'm basically a good person. I'm just I'm just rough around the edges or something. But before we go any further with this, the first thing that you and I must come to grips with is that the proof is not how you feel about yourself. The proof is not uh, the um, the rose-colored glasses that we look through our own hearts uh, through, that we look at our own hearts through, that's what I meant to say, uh, you, are, you are known by the fruit that you produce. It's easy for us to deceive ourselves, but the proof is in the pudding, so to speak. Uh, stay with me now. I know it sounds like I'm, I'm bashing you and beating you down, but, but there is good news coming. You and I, we, we got to understand that the, the examination of ourselves, when we're looking at the log in our eye, it's not whether you meant well or whether you had good intentions or whether you're really, really trying hard. The evidence is in the product, the fruit. So this is extremely, extremely important for you and I to understand. In, in order for a person to come to Christ first, but if you've been born again, it's important for you to understand as a believer who is growing in Christ. If you're already a Christian, we're called to examine ourselves and we're called to look at the fruit that we are producing. So 
We have to ask the question, what is this fruit that we're talking about? Is Jesus simply saying that we need to... uh, to uh, just look at our works. Are they good or bad? Uh, yes, I mean, he is saying that. we, When Christ saves a person and the Spirit of God indwells them, there's a supernatural change that takes place. Uh, God spoke about the new covenant, uh, the new heart in Ezekiel 36, 26, where he says, I will give you a new heart. I'll put my spirit in you. I will cause you to keep my commandments. But but just doing the outward works, it, it's only a part of what we're told to look at. To be honest, um, I mean, even a even a raging atheist in a moment of time can can help a little old lady across the street, or or help at a soup kitchen, or or be kind to his neighbor, or or something like that. People who who don't know Christ can be can be found in churches all over the world on any given Sunday. So we we also have to take Paul's teaching on the fruit of the spirit into account. You know the fruit of the spirit. It's you know love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self control. All of these things, these fruit that are produced, uh, they're things that the Spirit produces in us. And and when these things are present, they, they come out in our lives. They will show forth in the works that we do. They are noticeable in the way that we live, the way that we work. And as Jesus tells us here, it shows up in our words. So, since Jesus specifically brings up this example, that's what he said. He said that the, uh, uh, the, the fruit of our lives is going to be the evidence of, of who we are in Christ and what we, have, uh, what we are doing in Christ. And so it said there, for a good tree, let me read the passage one more time to you. Uh, for a good tree bears, uh, a good, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does any bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. And then verse 45, I didn't read verse, verse 45 earlier. It says, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil and then the specific example that he uses is our words he says for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks and so since jesus specifically brings up that example let's just start there what characteristics um, are indicative of your words what characterizes your speech do people hear your speech and hear the voice of christ feel the love of christ hear the message of Christ. Now, if you you're like me, you're probably saying, "Well, uh, I'm good in that area because you know, hey, I don't cuss, I don't cuss at all, so it's all good." And hey, that is good. You know, I'm glad you don't. But we have to remember that the context of Jesus' sermon, uh, in, in the verses before these, he told us that we are to love our enemies, we are to use our words to bless those who curse us, we are to use our words to pray for those who abuse us, who despitefully use us. So if that is the criteria of what Jesus means here, what he says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, how are you doing? When you examine the evidence of your words in that context, in the context of the Sermon on the Plain, ask yourself the question, would Jesus classify me as a good tree or a bad tree? Now, if you're like me, you know, hey, that, that stings. It stings a little bit. Uh, that's offensive. Uh, trust me, it's just as offensive to me as it is to you. If I'm honest, there are times when I don't love my enemies. More often than not, actually, when my words aren't characterized by grace 
and, and love. When I, when I examine the fruit of my words, uh, do you know what my automatic reaction is? It's, it's to try to justify myself. To say, well, hey, you know what? Nobody's perfect. I'm doing a whole lot better than most people. I mean, I, I'm doing better than my, my neighbor is. I'm doing better than all those other folks. You know, So, I, I mean, I'm not there yet, but I'm pretty good. While that may be true, you and I, we can't run away from that conviction. We can't run away from the reality that our hearts, more often than not, are going to be producing bad fruit. Now, and that's not to say that what we're talking about here is a consistency uh, of lifestyle. I'm not. I'm saying. I'm not saying that a born again believer is uh, should never do anything wrong. Well, of course he should never do anything wrong, but will never do anything wrong. Will never sin. Of course that's not true. And I'm not saying that uh, that uh, you know uh, uh, if if you happen to uh, have some kind of unwholesome speech come out of your mouth that all of a sudden, well, you must not be a Christian. We're not saying that at all. Uh, I could give you a, a a big overview of the Greek present tense and how we're talking about consistency and uh, a habit of lifestyle. But the reality is I don't want us to set aside the conviction of Jesus' words here. They are meant to cut you and I. They are meant to they are meant they are meant to open up the reality of our hearts and force us to look inside. Don't run away from that. For just a moment, let's come together and allow ourselves to feel the weight of the sinfulness of our hearts. Let that weight, let that burden um, wash over you that, that you are not good and your words, more often than not, are not Christ-like. It's not a pleasant feeling, I grant you. In fact, it's really ugly and it hurts. But when the Word of God comes to bear on our hearts, that's the effect. God's Word is to instruct and rebuke and reprove and to train us in righteousness. This is part of the gospel. You and I are not good. Our hearts are not righteous. Our speech is not righteous. Romans 3 says that there is no one who does good, not even one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 6. And so often we use those verses when we sin just to say, you know, well, it's okay because all have sinned. I'm just like everyone else. But for a moment, picture yourself standing alone before the judgment bar of God, the perfect and holy righteous God. Nothing but a perfect righteousness will do. Nothing but a perfect righteousness will be accepted. It is from the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. What is there is going to come out. What is coming out of yours? I don't know about you, but for me, that's that's some pretty bad news. When we hear that, and we examine ourselves and, and, and find our sin revealed there. Man, there's a deadly trap that we all tend to fall into, that mankind in general has a tendency to fall into. You may say, you know what? You're right. There is so much wrong in my life. I am, I'm not speaking or acting or doing what Christ has called me to do. Um, there are so many things that I have to change. You know what? Right now, I'm going to make up my mind that I'm going to do better. I commit right now that I'm going to to start changing. I'm going to clean up all these things that are wrong. I'm going to start fixing all my fruit so that, that I can be classified as a good tree instead of a bad one. That, my friends, is not the gospel. Notice what Jesus teaches us here. The problem is not a lack of desirable fruit. 
That's the symptom of the real problem. The real problem is our heart. He says, the good man out of the good treasure in his heart brings forth good. And likewise, the bad heart brings forth bad. So if you and I just go about trying to change our fruit alone, we're just treating the symptom. We're not treating the real problem. It's the difference between a thermostat and a thermometer. Uh, a thermostat can change the temperature of the room. You go over to it and you you push that little dial up or down and all of a sudden the room's temperature will start to change. It affects the room's temperature, but a thermometer can't do that. The only thing a thermometer can do is tell you the temperature of the room. It can't change anything. And that is what the fruit of the tree does. It's not a thermostat. Working on the outside and changing the fruit on the outside, changing your behavior, trying to be more moral, trying to do what, uh, trying to do uh, good in the eyes of God, trying to fix yourself is not, it's not a thermometer that's going to change the status uh, of your heart or change your relationship with God. All that is is a thermostat, uh, a thermometer. All it is is a measure of where your heart is. So we should look at it in that light. We should look at it as a a thermometer. I keep getting the two mixed up. Obviously wasn't a good analogy. We should look at it as an indicator of where our heart is. The object is not for you to go. You cannot go out and fix yourself on the outside. The heart has to be changed and then you will begin to produce the fruit that you see on the outside, the fruit of your life. Listen to me. The fruit of your life does not make you a good tree or bad tree. It simply shows what kind of tree you already are. The greatest tragedy in the universe is people who try to make themselves right by God by, by trying to fix the outside, trying to reform their behavior, trying to do good when the Bible says none are good. The fruit is not the problem. The fruit is the indicator of the problem. The problem is the heart. Now, after hearing all that, you're probably thinking, well, thank you very much. You know, thanks for the pep talk. Uh, now I feel worse than ever. I mean, you, uh, you, you got a, you started with a bad situation and now it's, it's kind of hopeless looking. Um, the way that you explain all this, it just doesn't seem like there's any hope. That is exactly the perfect place for you and I to be. There are two kinds of people who need to understand the truth of the gospel as we've seen it presented. The first kind of person, they are believers. They're truly born again. They're saved. They have been changed by Christ and the Spirit is producing the fruit in them. And they love Christ and they live for Him. Uh, but this person also recognizes, like Paul in Romans chapter 7, that there's a war going on inside. Sin is present, but there is a battle that rages. The spirit inside them wars against the flesh. They despise their sin, and they would do anything to be rid of it, but it just seems like it keeps popping its head back up. If that's you, you need to understand that the hatred of sin itself, the fact that you despise it, that's evidence that Christ has changed you. And as a believer, there will always be that war against sin. Even when you uh, have, have lived an entire lifetime, you're 100 years old, you will still be fighting against sin as the Holy Spirit is daily 
sanctifying you. You need to make sure that you understand that this war is because in this flesh we are not good. There is no good in us that is in our flesh. That's what Paul says. There's no good in me that is in my flesh. But it is Christ that we are, it is Christ that is our righteousness. And so when you understand this, you can say, you can say, you know, I, I understand that in and of myself, in and of my flesh, I am a bad tree. But in Christ, I am perfect. I am holy. Not because I'm so good, not because I'm doing so wonderful, but because he is so wonderful, because he did righteously. The other kind of person that needs to hear this is the man or woman who are just working as hard as they possibly can to be righteous. They're knocking themselves out trying to trying to change that fruit. They try every program, every method, every self-help teaching to do better and to please God. This person, you know, they they rededicate themselves every few years and they always proclaim that, you know, this time's going to be different, but the greatest righteousness that you can work up on your own is still tainted with sin and it's still unacceptable to God. You need a supernatural change of heart. You need a work of God that only comes by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. Is that you? I can assure you that without Christ, it's not me. But there's good news. There is one who is good. There is one who is perfectly righteous and perfectly kept the law of God, and he alone offers you that righteousness. By the grace of God, if you repent of your sin and your dead works and trust in the Savior, his righteousness is accounted to you. So your heart will be changed. And when the Father looks at you, having been born again in Jesus Christ, he sees the righteousness of his Son. So just as he looked upon his Son and said, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased he can look at you in Christ and say you are pleasing not not because you are so good but because Jesus is so good and then your heart is changed to produce the fruit of God it is it is Christ it is the spirit of God in you that is producing this fruit he is the vine John 15 he is the vine and you are the branches everyone in him he says he prunes so that they will produce more fruit. That's the solution to our problem. That's the solution to our wicked heart. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come to him in faith and be saved. And then tomorrow when you wake up, you cling to him again. Spend the rest of your life holding fast to the cross as your only source of righteousness and your only goodness before God. Two kinds of people need to both examine the fruit in their life and need to trust only in the gospel of Christ. The first is the religious man who is working their fingers to the bone and is only going to end up with bony fingers because you can't fix the outside. The problem is on the inside. You can't fix it from the outside in. You have to fix it from the inside out. And the other kind is something that burdens my heart um, a lot is that there are believers i mean true believers that are chasing after 
a moral program of behavior modification to try to make themselves more acceptable to God when the reality is it is trusting in Christ and living and walking in the gospel of Christ that continually grows our hearts and sanctifies us daily. The good man, out of the goodness, the good treasure in their heart, is going to bring forth good. The evil man is going to bring forth evil. So what we understand from that passage is you and I, in order to examine our lives, to remove the log that's in our eye, and to see clearly, to remove the speck that's in our brother's eye, you and I have to examine ourselves by the fruit in our lives. The fruit is not the agent of change that makes us better or more righteous before God. The fruit is just the indicator of where our heart is at. Trust in the Savior. If you're a religious man working as hard as you can, just trying to fix everything, trying to do better, that's exhausting. That's exhausting and it's impossible. You and I need a supernatural change of heart and only Christ can bring that. And then when you come to Christ, you grow in Him. You grow in His gospel. Growth toward God. You've already been, if you've received Christ, you have received the perfection of God. You have received everything that you need to stand before God and Him say, well done. There's no higher level. There's no greater spirituality than being in Christ. Come to Him today.